ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 Purpose Girls. So I have a question for you today. What cause is so near and dear to your heart that you would take a break from your entire life and dedicate yourself to it for several months? Like, what is that important to you? Another way to think about it is, what is so important to you that you would run, I don't know, let's say 30 marathons for it? It's funny, when I met Josh, I, you know, I'm a, I had run a marathon before, and when I met him and I was a runner, he said, the only way I would run is if someone's chasing me, <laughs> right? And of course, now he is an avid runner and has run a marathon himself, and we've done halves together. And we love running because we love the mental outlet. We love the physical outlet. When we run together, we love that time together. But it's just been so good for both of us. And it's so funny. He went from only being chased to then doing half marathons where he would fundraise sometimes and really do something that was kind of bigger than himself. And so when we came across the woman that I'm about to introduce you to, we instantly knew we had to get her on the Purpose Girl podcast because Liz Warner is running 30 marathons in 30 countries all before June of 2020. So in a short period of time for the purpose of aiming to raise $100,000 to support local, local to those countries, women empowerment organizations in every country visited. She is an incredible inspiration and truly a purpose girl, a woman living on purpose. And so let me introduce you to Liz. So Born and raised in Atlanta, Liz turned to running almost seven years ago while living in Tokyo as a way of grappling with her father's recent passing. Soon after, she decided to combine her new love of running with her passion for travel and deep, deliberate exploration of other cultures. In early 2019, Liz launched Rotten to Reach, an 18-month marathon fundraising campaign with the goal of running 30 marathons in 30 countries before turning 30 in June. She's aiming to raise $100,000 to support those local women's empowerment organizations that I mentioned. Instrumental to her mission is her desire to leave a positive social impact on the countries that she visits, one equal to their impact on her. She is set to partner with 20 local women-led nonprofit organizations around the world whose tireless work for women's empowerment and social activism often goes unnoticed. She's in the final stretch of her journey. And it will have brought her everywhere in the world, from Sierra Leone to turquoise waters in Yemen to central highlands in Afghanistan. I mean, she is taking on the world's toughest marathons. And each step is to empower women in diverse cultures around the world. Liz, I am so honored. Welcome to the Purpose Girl podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. So this is like no small feat. Pun not intended. It just came out that way. <laughs> 30 marathons in 30 countries. Yes. And you're almost done. You've done 27, at least by the time that we've taped this. Yes, correct. So let's talk about your inspiration for this. Because what we love doing on the Purpose Girl podcast is really getting to the heart of a woman's purpose. Mm -hmm. And not only there's the, there's two pieces, there's how she discovered it, and then there's the courage to go live it. So yeah. let's talk about the first piece. How did this even come to you? So I was actually on my honeymoon in- uh, Congratulations. Thank you so much. In September of 2018, and I was just at this transition point in my life. I felt a bit stagnated by my career path. 
I also felt ready to embark on some sort of high wattage adventure that would change my life and hopefully other lives along the way. Um, I didn't know what form it would come about. I just knew mm. I felt there's this urge within myself to, you know, this, this also, you know, I'd just gotten married. This might be the last in my last time in my life. I could do something a little bit crazy and also a little bit selfish for myself to, you know, to be able to go and travel to all these amazing places. So all I knew was that I love running. I love traveling. And how could I, how could I combine these two things to, you know, again, impact the world outside of my own personal bubble. Mm. So it was just a very natural marriage between two things I absolutely adore and I'm passionate about. And yeah, that's how Run to Reach sort of came to be. Incredible. Because, you know, I, I can resonate with and had the same experience in my life years ago. And I know so many of our listeners and my coaching clients always feel like, oh, I'm here for something more, right? Like the job is eh, okay or stagnant or, you know, maybe fine, mm -hmm. you know, things in life. And this is at any age, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like we get this feeling, this intuition, this knowing I'm here for something more. I want to make an impact. Yes. And so what's amazing though, Liz, is that you listen to it because so many people hear the calling. Oh, I want to make an impact. I want to live my purpose. I want to do something big. I want to go bold. But then there's all the fear and self-doubt. Who do you think you are? You're crazy. In your case, logistics. I don't even know how you pay to get from Afghanistan to Sierra Leone. And so what was the process of actually saying yes to this dream? Well, first of all, I personally love doing things that scare me. <laughs> yes, my kind of woman. Yes. I, you know, I'm a social introvert. I'm not someone who puts themselves out there that to like an extreme level kind of socially. And I think, you know, I'm a true believer that life is all about pushing your own personal and in my case to physical boundaries to allow for infinite expansion of both you know mind heart and soul and mm. i just you know to be honest when i came with this idea i didn't have a plan i didn't you know i actually only had two months to plan everything to choose all my partner organizations to plan the logistics to choose the marathons to figure out my finances, which again has been a huge stress factor of this whole project. Uh, mm. There were definitely a lot of uh, hurdles to face along the way. And again, because I had so little time to plan everything, it was a lot of just trial and error. I've never done anything like this before in my life. So I think just when I decided to say yes to this crazy idea, I also had to accept the unknown and just also be okay with the fact that I was probably going to fail many times along the way. And that, again, this was going to be the greatest lesson in life I could ever learn was to just wow. pick myself up, pick myself back up and continue on. Liz, you just dropped so many incredible pieces of wisdom. I want to like grab my picture frames. I like to put a picture frame around things. One is acceptance of the unknown. Right. I think what stops so many people from taking a step toward their dreams or fulfilling their purpose is that fear of the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen. Absolutely. And so what a powerful lesson, just really highlighting this stepping into the unknown. There is a level of trust, right? Like trust in yourself, trust in the idea, in the universe, yes. which can be super scary. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that you said that's so powerful is that you actually like to scare yourself. Yes. You know, again, it's when I was straight, when I was coming out of college, also at age 23, it was right after my dad had passed away too. And the only thing I could think of doing at that moment was, you know, I needed a big change in my life. And so I figured out a way to move to Japan and sort of, I didn't know anyone living there. And I think it's just, I constant, constantly feel a bit lost in my life. Like I've never mm. really, again, found a 
you know, a specific job or career path that I felt I've personally felt really fulfilled by. So sort of diving deep into these kind of adventures or situations where I'm not sure what the outcome will be. I feel like that's been sort of my way of finding my path and direction. Yeah. Like that is your purpose. This is so interesting. You are the third woman in the last two weeks Mm -hmm. to share this like truth of being a a wanderer, Mm -hmm. right? One of my clients shared it with me two weeks ago. Another one shared it with me today. And society tells us you're supposed to have one job. You're supposed to have one house. You know, it's like you're supposed to do this one thing for the rest of your life. And that is the normal path. And those of us, myself included, who don't fit into that, we do then feel lost. Yes. Yes. And something I love about your project is you've taken the antithesis of that. Like, yes, I'm going to embrace being a wanderer. I'm going to embrace being a citizen of the world and not having a specific one thing. Yes. And turn that into something. Yes. And I think that was also a really hard part of this project. Even starting when I began telling my friends what I was planning on doing, even before I started the project, a lot of them would just, you know, some of my closest people just gave me these huge blank stares. And it's not the first time I've sort of proposed these crazy ideas. But I think for a lot of people, it's hard, again, to sort of wrap your head around doing something that goes a bit against the grain and or doesn't really have sort of a a plan ahead of it. Um, And so, yeah, that was also kind of a a scary thing to confront when Mm. I decided to do this project was just simply telling people about it and seeing their reactions and sort of still um, assuring myself that it was the right thing to do. And that's the key. I was going to ask you. So when someone would give you the blank stare, Mm -hmm. and probably some people might have told you it was a bad idea. I mean, when I decided to leave my corporate job and go back to graduate school, I was already 36 years old and making a really nice six-figure salary at my old job. And my dad said to me, that is the stupidest decision I have ever heard, right? And I was like shaking as daddy's little girl crying Yeah, and had to also just reassure myself yeah, there's a lot of unknown here, but if I don't do it, I will regret it. And there are always other marketing jobs that I can get. And I have to believe in this right now. Yes. And so what did you say to yourself to just keep moving forward? I think, I mean, again, looking at these people, people I care about deeply, it's not even people that I don't necessarily connect with. I think just, I mean, I'm also a dreamer. And, you know, I think especially with travel, I knew what kind of big world was out there and what I wanted to personally learn from the world. And I totally respect all of my friends who have incredible careers and that that is their path. But again, going back to sort of being this wanderer, I just knew that it felt right to me personally, like deciding to throw myself into this crazy adventure. And luckily too, I mean, my now husband um, was also very supportive. And I don't know if I would have chosen to do this project had he not also been, you know, totally, completely 100% supportive and, and, you know, been my biggest fan along the way too. So that, I'm not going to say that he was, you know, a big reason why I did decide to say yes, but we had just gotten married. Everything was sort of in sync with our lives um, at that point. And um, so, yeah, that was a huge factor as well, I should say too. Yeah. I'm picturing this discussion on your honeymoon. Like, I'm so happy we just got married. I want to be with you forever. But first, <laughs> I want to take this 18 months and go and run around the world. Like I can only imagine And how incredible that you have a partner who sees you and really gets you. Absolutely. And how important that is. And I know, you know, everyone listening to this, you don't necessarily have that in your partner and you can still follow the adventure. You can still follow your purpose and how blessed, right? And those of you out there, if you don't have a partner and you're looking for one, find one that really believes in you and wants to see you shine and thrive in your way. Absolutely. And I should also say too that um, we had been doing, my husband was still living in Japan for a few years before 
moving to Paris where I had been based. And so he had finally moved to the same country and continent. We got married and then I was like, okay, I'm ready to leave again. So Bye baby. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so that has definitely been a huge, um, I mean, she's been my rock throughout this whole process. Definitely. So beautiful. So you mentioned that finances were yeah. going to be scary and I know any purpose, when I followed my own purpose, my purpose was going to be something that I could earn a living at, right? Mm -hmm. Coaching and podcasting and speaking. And you are doing something for nonprofits and for mm -hmm. fundraising. And so how did you even go about being able to not have stationary job during this time? I'm so curious. Yes. So originally, too, I left my previous company and I was still doing some freelance work on the side. So in my head, it all made sense. I was going to be able to do some freelance work, travel, run these marathons. But then maybe two to three months in, I was completely overwhelmed. I wasn't making my deadlines for my freelance work. I was, I felt like I couldn't give myself entirely to my project. Like everything kind of felt half-assed if I had mm. to fit um, simply. And, uh, so I made the decision to, I mean, I had at that time, just a small percentage of savings from my, from my jobs. And, and I also, you know, going into this project, I naively thought it would be pretty easy, not easy, but manageable to find some sponsors that could help me, you know, that could help with all my travel costs and, um, allow me to really focus on the, you know, raising all the awareness about these charities and the, the fundraising as well. That actually was very difficult. And I have not been that successful because for many different reasons. So I had to make the decision. Um, it was exactly last June, six months into the project that I couldn't juggle everything. And I had, this was a huge decision in my life to make. I mentioned previously that my father, um, you know, the reason why I started running was sort of because of him and getting over or sort of going through that grieving process um, following his death. And so I decided, you know, this was an adventure. This was a once in a lifetime opportunity to, to do something really incredible that would impact my life, but of course, the lives of other people as well. So I decided to use, you know, a finite amount of money that he had left for me after he had passed away. You know, for example, my sister just used it on a mortgage for a house. And I decided that this was the project that I wanted to use it towards. Mm -hmm. So that has helped me immensely with travel. I've also um, received a lot of donated Sky Miles. That's, that has also helped a lot. So it's been a lot of, you know, I mean, I think that honestly takes at least 10 to 15 hours of my week, just figuring out my finances and how I can best budget everything. Because I mean, a lot of the places that I'm traveling to they're they're not, you know, easy to travel places. And I want to make sure that I'm safe. I mean, I'm traveling alone most of the time. So I, as much as I want to spend $20 on a hostel, I also want to make sure that I'm safe. So it's a, it, the logistics of figuring out the budget and also just making sure I'm safe in a lot of the places I'm traveling to. It takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, but I do feel incredibly lucky again to, to be able to do um, everything that I'm doing sort of with um, the kind of help that I've received uh, from my father. So incredible. And I just got chills of him looking at you down on you of him looking at you and so proud. What a way to really utilize the resources, yeah. doing something that is helping other people. And that's the kind of thing that's generative. Yeah. And, you know, at first, to be completely honest, I mean, that was one of the first questions that many people asked me, how were you able to figure, the, figure this out all out financially? Um, and I was hesitant at first because if anything, it feels very private to reveal mm. sort of how I'm was really able to do everything. Cause as much as I want to say, Oh yeah, savings for my job. Like I'm still quite young and this is a huge undertaking, but you know, it is such a huge part of my story, him, you know, sort of 
going through his death and allowing sort of my whole running journey to start from that. It's a huge part of my journey. It's also in a way, I mean, he was a huge adventurer himself and travel the world. And so if anything, I feel like it's, this whole project is sort of continuing his legacy. And so it, it is very meaningful to me to be able to just sort of have him be wrapped up in this story in such a profound way. I have to tell you, I think it's beautiful. And perhaps that's why the sponsorships didn't come as easily as this was supposed to be this full circle and him continuing to run in his life. It's like I can just even see him running with you as you go to these far off places. It's just incredibly beautiful and really reminds me to be resourceful. You know, we don't all have maybe a chunk of money sitting somewhere, but the sky miles that you mentioned and having those donated, we all can get super resourceful and always looking for how can I in order to fulfill a dream, in order to fulfill a desire and doing so in legacy for your dad is just so beautiful. I mean, I'm honestly so touched, so beautiful. And here you are, you're doing this. It's not even for a selfish purpose. It's not even just for fun. I mean, it it is for these nonprofits Mm -hmm. and they're all women's empowerment organizations. So tell us a little bit more about that. Absolutely. You know, when I think actually when I was planning this project, I think choosing all the marathons, it took me maybe a few days, but choosing all the organizations that was really, you know, a difficult part of the project just because I really wanted to make sure I connected with small to medium-sized scale local NGOs in each of these countries that were completely transparent. And, you know, the general umbrella theme amongst all is that they're women-focused. And to me, I truly believe that uplifting women around the world, I mean, this is the solution to all of the world's problems and issues and um, is the greatest investment we can make to alleviate poverty around the world. So I decided- Sing it, sister. Amen. You're in the right place here. A woman, yes. And, you know, I mean, it's, of course, no surprise that women are pushed to the margins of society in the U.S. and every country in the world. And so, you know, I was just felt so- impassioned by this cause and, um, or just by this overall theme. So, but yeah, so in my NGOs, for example, in Afghanistan, I was working with this organization called Free to Run that provides safe spaces for Afghan women to participate in sports in Afghanistan, Mm. which is, you know, um, you wouldn't think that, or obviously when you think of women in Afghanistan, yes, they are, um, oppressed and, and, you know, they they don't have as many rights as we do in the U S but even thinking about women be able to participate in sports and, you know, even thinking myself, how much running has contributed to my life and that women there aren't able to experience something similar. So it was so powerful to be able to work with an organization that was, you know, really transforming women's lives just by giving them the opportunity to run in public spaces and to train for races and to sort of experience the same sort of empowering, liberating feeling that many of us experience when we do any sort of sports. Right. Because sports give us, or, you know, any sort of activity, any sort of physical activity, it makes us feel so powerful. Yes. And makes us feel so strong. Yes. And so giving these women who are, repressed in many ways, who don't have rights in many ways, giving them the right to feel the strength of their own body is huge. It is absolutely huge. And that translates to so many other, you know, areas of their own life, just by, you know, by being able to run publicly, they're defying cultural norms and sort of paving the way for future Afghan women runners to assert their independence in society and become, in effect, leaders of change and their society as well, and their communities. So that was wow. just such an incredible experience. I mean, I could go on for ages because I'm working with so many. <laughs> I would love to hear about a couple more. Yeah, please. Yeah, I mean, even I also did a marathon in Cote d'Ivoire. So again, I really tried to choose countries that are seldom traveled to by any normal tourist. Even to be able to, you know, the small platform that I have show an audience, you know, these, these amazing countries and the people that 
sort of are living in these places that, again, because of so many negative images in the media, I want to sort of elevate these untold stories and the amazing people that are living in these places. So traveled to Cote d'Ivoire and I was working with another organization called Empower Her Mm. that provides, they offer entrepreneurship training programs for um, some of the poorest women living in Abidjan, the main city. And so again, it's just sort of really organizations that that are investing in the character and the community itself rather than sort of the infrastructure. I think when we think of NGOs and aid, it's sort of, it's more the organization and sort of um, quick impact projects. But the types of organizations I really wanted to work with are more sort of long-term actions and projects that sort of will really lead to some sustainable change in the community. I was also working with an organization in Egypt uh, called Hea Maser, meaning she is Egypt. Uh, mm. And this NGO as well is working with young girls and boys because Egypt has a huge issue of sexual harassment with women. I mean, it's the numbers are, are crazy. I think it's 97, 97% of women claim to be sexually harassed by the age of 18. So... <sighs> Yeah. So, you know, these are figures and, and I think just going to some of these places, but so again, this, um, Heya Maser works to, to build, you know, they organize character building workshops with these girls and boys to sort Mm. of educate them on bullying and sexual harassment. And, you know, even with the girls sort of broadening their horizons to, you know, that they, to sort of instill in them a sense of self-worth and that, you know, these things that they probably experience are not right. And um, so again, it's, it's really sustainable long-term change that um, I feel really uh, inspired by with these organizations. And um, it really took a lot of research and yeah, just a lot of research to find organizations that I felt truly, truly connected to and that we're doing really amazing things in these communities. So powerful because it's so easy to give to something general like Red Cross, which is wonderful. And this is not against any larger organization. What I'm so impressed with is that you are going into the community and finding an organization that's really educating, empowering, changing the lives of girls, boys, women, so that there is a sustainable future. Exactly. And so how does it work? You run a marathon and then you raise money for that marathon. Explain to us how this works because it seems like a huge endeavor. Yes. So I have created what's called a donor advisory fund. So I'm collecting funds for all the charities actually because it's quite difficult to fundraise for one sort of have one fundraiser for one marathon because I'm literally I'm traveling every week every two weeks so you know I'm collecting all the donations in one general fund and then they're all being distributed equally at the end of this mission um, based on how much I raise at the end Um, but what I'm doing you know when I am traveling to these countries again this is not a, a necessarily sometimes I do do some touristy stuff because it it is really interesting for me to be able to learn about the culture and the country but really the main purpose of me going to these countries is to meet with the NGO and shine light on the work that they do and try Mm. to maximize the sort of exposure that I can give to them again because they are smaller to medium-sized scale they don't have sort of the resources to be able to you know to to communicate what they do like an Oxfam or a UNICEF or one of these bigger organizations. So that's a really, and then of course I'll run the marathon, but that's really the main purpose of me traveling to these countries. Incredible. So you are really going into (laughs) highlighting and sharing with the world the work of these smaller NGOs or nonprofit organizations that are doing this this work. Mm-hmm. And I imagine because of your efforts, so many people now know about and are learning about these important efforts all over the world. I hope so. I hope so. Again, I think what's been really hard with this 
challenge is that I am working just with so many organizations. So mm-hmm. I'll be spending a week in a country, you know, for example, last week I was in Somaliland, which is part of Somalia. And, you know, I pour my heart and soul into learning about these organizations, meeting with everyone involved, some of the beneficiaries or the members. And then all of a sudden I'm heading to the next place and I sort of have to do the same thing with another organization. It's been, you know, kind of a blessing and a curse because because of this whole reason of working with so many organizations, I've learned so much. I've met so many incredibly inspiring people, but it definitely has been a challenge sort of shifting, you know, every week or so my communication strategies and again, just pouring my heart into and soul into trying to put together a strong enough awareness campaign about what they do. And all of this, while you are a self-proclaimed social introvert. I mean, this is like really incredible to put yourself out there in this way of reaching out to, connecting with, promotion, publicizing, talk about going outside of your comfort zone. Yes. In order to do something for the greater good, in order to serve your purpose. Yes. It's definitely been, and sometimes I just, you know, people, I feel like everyone always has, oh, you should do this on social media. You should do more blogging. You should do this. And it's, it is a lot. It is a lot of, you know, there's a lot that goes behind the scenes that I think a lot of people don't see my project. I think if you look on my Instagram, you'll just see, oh, like Liz is running all over the world and like she's doing all these great things. But honestly, it is the most stressful undertaking I've, I've ever done, even just from, you know, a coordinating with all the organizations that in itself is a full-time job. So um, yeah, it's, it's tough and it definitely, but I do feel strongly about, you know, if you go on a website of any NGO, most probably they'll make some claim how they're changing the world. And I do feel like it is helpful to allow people to actually connect with that NGO when there's a person there that is sort of advocating for their mm-hmm. work and what they do and trying to sort of humanize their work and show people that are, you know, are directly affected by by what they're doing. And so while I feel completely uncomfortable doing this type of work and being this sort of public figure, not that I am a public figure, but um Yes, you are. No. I, mean, but- <laughs> I do I do you know, I'm motivated by the fact that this project is more than just doing this for myself. It's just again, to shine light on the work of of these organizations. Which is what I always find so powerful about purpose. It's bigger than us. Mm -hmm. It's bigger than any fear we have, any doubt, any logistics question. You know, it's bigger. There is a calling to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're doing. And so it's like, okay, Social introversion, I am just going to put you aside for a moment. Okay. Discomfort in asking for money. I don't know if you are uncomfortable. Put that away. You know, whatever. Okay. Leave my beloved new husband. Okay. And we do what we need to do because we are truly here to do something bigger and truly here to make that difference. I imagine, Liz, you've also run across all sorts of crazy stories. You've probably run across some sexism. You know, I was looking at your Facebook and you've been the only female runner before. Yes. I mean, this is, this is challenging. What are a couple of the stories or things that you feel like you've really learned and overcome on this journey? I mean, there's so many, but you know, even going back to this marathon I ran in Cote d'Ivoire, I had just right before this trip, I had just come from Afghanistan where again, women are not not really allowed to run there, but there were 50 Afghan women runners who participate in that marathon, which was just Mm. a powerful experience. So I went directly to Cote d'Ivoire afterwards. I met with the NGO. I had a beautiful first experience in this country. And two days before the actual race, I go to pick up my bib and they sort of gave me this weird puzzled look, the organizers of the marathon. They were like, oh, actually, we just decided that we're not allowing women to run the full marathon this year. 
And I was like, what do you mean? Like, and I was also like, I just had just come from Afghanistan, probably like the hardest place for women to run <laughs> in the world. there, And then I'm coming to like, honestly, a quite a progressive city, Abidjan. Um, you know, it's a, it's a proper city there. And they were not allowing us to race for, for no reason. I had already registered online. Like they gave no sort of uh, warning that this was going to happen. And so, yeah. And you traveled all that way and you've been promoting it and you've been publicizing it and you've been raising money. I mean, come on. Yeah. This no, is, it was a crazy experience. And so, you know, luckily, I really had to lay down some law. Um, I had to use yeah, girl. Yes. them a little bit and sort of make make them realize that or sort of fib a little bit that my campaign was a lot bigger than it is and that this is going to affect them in the long run, just even from a PR level. But um, but yeah, it was I think that was just a, a crazy story, even from my own um, personal experience running in some of these countries. And I just come uh, from Somalia two days or a week ago. And, and yeah, and being one of two women that was, you know, running this, this race and being fully covered as well. I think that was a really out of body experience. Cause I think even seeing some of the women on the sidelines, local Somali lander women sort of look at us like, what are we doing? And, but I think also being in a little bit awe and sort of opening their eyes to this being even a possibility for them too. And again, going back to sort of sports being such an empowering force for women worldwide, I think we don't realize just how many women in this world are not able to to participate in any sporting activity. It's just not culturally acceptable for them. So that's just been a huge eye-opener for me, traveling to some of these countries and realizing that and just also feeling so privileged to be able to be doing what I'm doing just on a physical level as well. Absolutely. You know, it's so interesting. I think sometimes we think about making a difference and we think of these huge things, which you are doing. (laughs) 30 marathons in 30 countries is a huge thing. And had you just run that one marathon and had you just run by one Somali woman or one Somali girl who didn't know that that was a possibility or an option for them, but you awakened desire, you awakened a sense of freedom, mm-hmm. that is making a difference. I hope so. I really hope so. Uh, yes. Yeah. this is. These are the sm- small steps. And this is why showing up every day, you don't have to go to Somaliland to do this. Yes. It is showing up wherever you are in your community and speaking up to the school board if it's something that you're passionate about or going against the dress code because you want to show kind of gender neutrality, whatever it might be, just showing up is inspiring someone. Yes, that's a beautiful point. Absolutely. I can only imagine these young girls in these countries seeing you in awe and awakening something and that you will be part of their story later. You know, years ago, I saw this American woman. She seemed crazy, but she awoke this thing in me. And here I am doing something powerful. But exactly what you just mentioned now, you know, I did give a talk to some of the Afghan women runners. And this is not to say that everyone needs to do a similar project like I'm doing. Like everyone can have their own personal, it could be big or small, even just something, you know, I think just making sure that occasionally you step outside of your comfort zone, you allow yourself to sort of dream a little bit. And how can I sort of, what do I love doing? And how could I sort of do that and affect the life of others in a positive way in a big way, in a small way, but in a positive way. And so I think that's the biggest message that I hope to show anyone through this project or hope to inspire anyone, you know, to show them that in their capacity as one individual, they too have the power to change the life of others. 100% because you at this point, so as of taping, you've run 27 marathons. Yes. And you've raised how much money at this point? So at this point, almost $30,000. 
Um, you are such a badass. Like, I know that you had a higher goal and I know that you're on the Purpose Girl podcast and you're going to be on other shows. And so there is so much more potential. And we definitely want to let you Purpose Girls know how to support these efforts and how to support these nonprofits through Liz. But can we just pause for a minute and celebrate you? Because $30,000, girl, I mean, that's huge. Thank you so much. And I think like you said before, too, I don't have this aggressive salesperson personality that I think a lot of fundraisers, like really good fundraisers have. And so it has been almost an awkward part of this campaign. Yeah, constantly asking for money. And I've just gone to a point, you know, where I'm just so happy that even people even share what I'm doing. I do hope since it is the last few months to really push it. And I'm, I am going to be launching a campaign in the next couple months where I'm hoping to get 2,600 people to donate $26 for my last 26 mile marathon. I love that. 2,600 donors giving just $26 to run to reach. Exactly. Forgive my lack of immediate math skills. My mom and my husband are both mathematicians. What does that equal? That is, I mean, it's it's over 50,000. Okay. Get me closer to obviously my 100,000 goal. And then hopefully, I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to reach this goal by the end um, when I turn 30. I definitely want to try to continue to push it in the few months after. But um, but it would definitely get me that much closer to this goal. And um, again, it's sort of the final push. And I've never felt, you know, I think getting to this ending point of this mission, a lot of people even are asking me, you know, are you emotional? Like, how are you feeling now? I was just going to ask you that because you're coming to the end. Yes. It's like, it feels a little like after the wedding or, you know, or last dance, you know, when you know it's your last dance at the wedding, oh my God, now it's over or postpartum. What is it like finishing up? Yeah, I think I'm just, I'm so happy to have gotten to this point. I'm so grateful for the hundreds of amazing people I've been able to meet. I feel excited for the next chapter, to be honest, because I think I want to be able to sort of sit down and process the past year, which I honestly don't feel like I've had the opportunity to do yet. I feel very excited. And again, excited for the unknown. I don't have a set plan for after this. I wish (laughs) I had a book deal waiting. Actually, honestly, I, I feel grateful that I don't because I know it, these last few months are going to be really exciting and I'm going to give it everything I have into reaching my goal, reaching my fundraising goal, getting to the end. And I'm just, you know, I'm filled with so much gratitude that I, again, am able to get to this point. So I'm just excited about it all. Um, Amazing. It's a very simple answer. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. What I love about it is you're saying, I'm going to savor right now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. How often are we almost finished with a project or as soon as we finish, we go, what's next? Exactly. What's next? And I think exactly. this is something that as women, we're particularly, you know, guilty of it, like as if we just need to keep moving, we need to keep doing. And I think that that's also culturally, at least here in America and Western societies. Yeah. Okay. What's next? What's next? But then we are missing. Yeah. We're missing the pleasure. Yes. Of the moment. Absolutely. Right. And we're, it's like, this is a time to savor your experience and to savor all of those who are donating to you and savor the relationships with all the people that you've met around the world and savor the relationships with the NGOs and savor your feet and your legs. Like, this is a time to really enjoy and celebrate. And the book deal will be there. I actually am 110% confident in that. I feel silly even saying that loud. And that is not at all like a goal. You know, I think a lot of people have just been asking like, oh, are you going to write a book? And it's like, I have no idea. And, um, you know, I also feel, yeah, I'm, I'm open for I mean, it might be a book deal. It might be some sort of television show. It might be that you say, you know what? I'm ready to just go to an office job and it's all good. Yes. It's like, it's all going to be good, whatever it is. This 
this was a unique experience that you are savoring and where you did something so powerful. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I I do have the one exciting thing I do have coming up that has sort of allowed me to sit down and really think about all these experiences. Because to be honest, I'm traveling all the time. I feel like I very rarely am able to sit down and just sort of be still with my thoughts. I do have a TED Talk coming up in April. Ah! It's really exciting. And again, I think more than just the TED Talk, it's been a really enriching experience just being able to take all these experiences and trying to put it in sort of digestible format mm-hmm. and sort of also trying to figure out certain lessons I've been able to learn through this whole experience. And um, so that's like kind of one really cool thing that's that's come out of this project where it's funny at the beginning when I started, I was like, you know what? I really, I want to reach my fundraising goal. I want to meet amazing people during this journey, but it'd be really cool to give a TED talk. <laughs> Um, Thank so, you, universe. More, yeah. please. Yes. So that's like the one, the one really cool thing. But otherwise, it's it's a very much. I have no idea what's going to happen afterwards. I love it, and this is the thing: we are so afraid of the unknown. But when we put a desire like that, the desire to do this kind of effort that you're doing, incredible effort, the desire for a TED Talk, and. You all can't see her, but she just like lit up when she was talking about this dream. And she's so beautiful and so adorable and humble. And the universe hears us. And who knows who's going to get that TED Talk? First of all, now you have your thoughts organized, and that may become an outline for something later. Or you're going to meet a new best friend in the audience. We don't know. Right. And that's the gift and magic of life if we can just trust that what we're being given right now is full of opportunity and full of juice for us to enjoy and for us to savor and for us to take a step on next. It's incredible. Liz, you are such a role model for women living on purpose. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so inspired. I am beyond grateful. I know everyone listening to this is and everyone can find you at runtoreach.com, which of course is in the show notes. And she is doing the 2600 end push, right? 2600 of us to give $26. You can count on mine already done. And so you can just say $25.99. You want 2599 people because we can do this, right? $26 for these women's and girls' and children's organizations around the world is just so big. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my honor. So Liz, here on the Purpose Girl podcast, I do this crazy little thing at the end of interviewing guests called a Purpose Power Play Round, Mm -hmm. where I just uh, ask you a couple of random questions and whatever is the first thing that comes to your mind is totally the correct answer. Are you up for playing? Yes, I am. Let's do it. Oh, so fun. Okay. Amazing, amazing, amazing. All right. What song gets you pumped up? To actually like go run 26.2 miles over and over and over again. Anything Ace of Base. I love yeah, baby. really cheesy <laughs> 80s and 90s. Maybe Ace of Base, yeah. Beautiful Life. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm a this girl is on fire kind of a girl. But Ooh, it's like, right. Any of those. So good, right? Yes. And what is something everyone should do at least once in their life? I would say go on a trip on your own. Mm. I really believe in the power of solo traveling. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's a beautiful exercise, again, for you to be away from the daily chaos and just again, to give yourself the opportunity to be alone with your thoughts and do what you want to do when you travel just on your own. And I think it's such a beautiful way to celebrate your independence as well. So I would say, go on a solo trip, you know, a weekend trip or um, your own city. It doesn't even have to be traveling very far, but just to have this time for yourself. Oh, this is so good. You know, I don't know if you know my story, Liz, but I got married right out of college to like tall, dark, handsome, perfect, and tried to follow that whole path and ended up divorced at 26. 
And at that point, I was afraid of like sitting at a restaurant by myself. Yes. And so I decided then, wait, I I knew that like inside of me was this like wanderer, adventurous person. And so it was like, no, I'm going to go see the world and did went to Paris by myself for a month, went to London by myself, did Spain by myself. And it's so empowering and so fun. And yes, it can be lonely. Like there are times I don't want to lie if you go for a long time, but you learn so much. Yes. About yourself and about the world. And you have such an opportunity to meet cool people. Yes. Oh, I love that. All right. Last question, Liz. Yeah. What is one thing you want every woman to know? That you are limitless in your potential. And anyone who tells you otherwise, that's a projection of their own insecurity. And I think as women, we just have such an incredible capacity to do. I mean, beyond being empathetic creatures, we can do anything. And I, you know, I think again, just reminding yourself that you are limitless in your potential and you can make certain dreams come true. I um, want to push that message in any way I can. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. Woo. <laughs> well, you are certainly showing us how limitless we all are. Oh, and so much, Karen. <laughs> what is possible when we allow ourselves to just take one step at a time. And so Liz, thank you, thank you, thank you. And everyone out there, the website is Rhonda Reach. We're on a push, 2,600 donations of $26, totally doable. You're so gonna hit this woman. Oh, You're you so gonna so do much, it. so much, Karen, thank you. Oh yeah, my honor and pleasure. And to all of you Purpose Girls out there, we hope that you loved this episode of the Purpose Girl Podcast. If you did, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you leave your review. Leave your five-star review. It takes 60 seconds. And if you want to be part of an inspiring, empowering sisterhood that will encourage you to go outside of that box and push your comfort zone and go do the thing that you want, then join the Purpose Girls Facebook group. Purpose Girls is one word, and we are a sisterhood of more than 2,100 women empowering you to go for it. If you are not yet getting my newsletter, you want to do that because every week I send out inspirational videos that just give you two minutes of juice for your week. And you'll be the first to know when I am rolling out new courses like the Goddess on Purpose course that's going to be coming soon. And of course, the most important thing you can do is to share this podcast with every woman you know, because that is how we change the world one woman at a time. With that, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself. And may you love life. Bye for now.